Hey, what is up, nerds? You know, before we drop this awesome podcast onto your ears, guess what I want to tell you about? Have you ever listened to the show and you thought to yourself, man, I want to wear what they're saying? Well, folks... We have that for you right now. That's right. All the content that you're hearing on the show and original content is located at the merch at nerdonomy.com. That's right. We have t-shirts. We have things that are made in the U.S. Support the Nerdonomy. Support the U.S. Just wear our stuff. Awesome. David McGuire and Sarah Ashley. Can we have a argument in Wookie? That'd be hilarious. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
way easier instead of trying to pay money to for the whole set. Watch it one time and then be like, well, I'll put that on the shelf and watch it again in another five years. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. With that, guys, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. And I'm Sarah Ashley. And of course... Welcome back, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing quite well, and uh, honestly, I'm doing better now that I'm back here with you guys. Cool. Can, can we go by what your uh, your moniker is? Not the oh, not, not that the yeah. uh, Sutorious. Su su Sutorious. Thank you. I am. I am. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, there's actually a small story behind it. Um, ever since fifth grade, uh, whenever my friends would see me in the hallways in school, they would go with hands over their mouths and virtually yelling, Sue, Sue, Sutorius. And then I would look at them and go, Ayy. And then just keep walking. And so it, it's still done to this day, even at work. And I have no problem with that. That's nice. Yeah. If you want to make that the moniker for me for the show, I'm totally down with that as well. <laughs> All right, noted. <laughs> Documented. Documented. In audio. <laughs> nice. So we are experimenting because not only are we podcasting, we are watching a Sharks game. And it is on mute, and Sarah is quite involved. Yep. So I'm, you... I'm wearing my jersey right now since, you know, i got a rep. But right now, as of the time of the recording, Sharks are 4-0 for the season. If and Sarah screams it looks out. like we're rocking this game right now. So, yeah. yeah. If Sarah screams out, yes, do not worry. She is not having an orgasm. She is just, well, maybe she is. I don't know. <laughs> Depends how good this game gets. Yeah, but as far as we know, she's just enjoying the, the Sharks game. <laughs> and for those outside of these continental United States, uh, the Sharks are the San Jose hockey team. Yeah. Yeah, they brought a whole new livelihood to Silicon Valley about 20 years ago. It's 21 years ago, I think, right? Because mm-hmm. 92 was the first year, I right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so 21 years ago, they became San Jose's first professional hockey team, well, really only professional hockey team in Northern California. So, mm-hmm. like, everyone in NorCal was like, yes! Yeah, finally like the, like the Kings have all the fun. We yeah. get to have some, too. Absolutely. Yep. Is it weird that, so part of me really wants to move to, like, Oregon or Washington, but they don't have hockey teams, so I'm kind of like, yeah. I have a very weird, <laughs> this is totally not about film, but I have a very, well, we, we, maybe, if you can tie in the Mighty Ducks, then awesome, or Miracle, <laughs> but... I have a very weird belief that I don't think your your city should have a hockey team unless you are within one hour or within one day's drive of snow. And we qualify because we're within one day's drive of, Mount, of Lake Tahoe, where there is definitely the Sierras, Yosemite, Sierras, yeah. where Mount Hamilton gets snow, and we're that's in our city limits. True. So I think we're valid. L.A., not so much. That's uh, actually, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, Phoenix? Do you think Phoenix deserves a hockey team? Flagstaff? Phoenix, wait, wait. Flagstaff is, is I'm gonna really say, far away from Phoenix. Oh, I'm going to say Phoenix doesn't deserve a hockey team, but that's just because I really don't like the Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, uh, that part of Arizona can get snow during the winter because it's a desert. You can get it. Yeah. Uh, with LA, if you drive about an hour with your east, logic, dude. <laughs> or if you drive about an hour east, uh, you can get to Big Bear in the San Bernardino Mountain Range, which also gets snow. I'm willing to say that people should not be deprived of hockey as a wonderful sport just because of their geography. Or because of some stuck-up losers that uh, aren't paying the players what they're due. 
Just putting that out there. With that, <laughs> I wasn't going to try and talk about the lockout at all. <laughs> this um, shit just got real. <laughs> yeah, but this is not nerds on sports because that's an oxymoron. <laughs> Nerd, sports, no, actually, what are no. sports you talk about? Wait, wait, wait. So what about this whole fantasy football bullshit? I tried, I tried, playing, I tried playing hockey once and then uh, I, I cramped my spleen. <laughs> and I, I severed my hillbloigan. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but yes, nerds and sports can exist in the leagues of uh, fantasy football, and that's all I can understand. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> Sean plays hockey. Well, there you go. So there you go. Wonderful. Nerds can play hockey. Nerds can play hockey. Nerds can be badasses, too. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all of a sudden became muttly, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Ernie laughing. Yeah. Or Ernie laughing, yes. exactly, yes. from Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But yeah, so if I seem distracted, that's why hockey happening right now. Getting back to nerds on film. Yep. Yeah, (laughs) guys, we have some news to talk about because Sarah, the precogs returned. They did, and And they were uh, perky. (laughs) 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 Yes, um, it has been announced. I'm sure you guys have all heard by now. J.J. Abrams has been confirmed to direct Star Wars Seven. We and hopefully eight and nine and hopefully eight and nine. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. We. So, given that we are Nerdsland at this point, we... we've talked about. Yeah, this. we are Nerdsland. We are we are the neutral ground between Star Trek and Star Wars. We really need to elect J.J. Abrams as our spokesperson because he's bridging the bond, right? He's the olive branch. Yeah. He is. He is the patron saint of nerd neutrality. Yeah. Exactly. And as far as my research has gone, and please, if I'm wrong, uh, other people, dear listeners, correct me. Uh, the only ties between Star Trek and Star Wars before this uh, past time was Industrial Light and Magic doing the effects for the movies. That was the only connection between the two uh, sagas. Correct. I believe, I believe Paramount so. went with some other effects house for the prior movies. And they may have just done everything in-house. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Wrath of Khan definitely was started in terms of the effects. Was ILM? Was ILM, absolutely. Oh, okay. yeah, because that was one of the first movies to use computer-generated images. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Good point. Nerd. Actually, believe, <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, I believe Star Trek the motion picture, that which was sense. only released a year after Star Wars, was probably using the same right. tech. Yeah. So, Yeah, well, guys, I am pleased as shit that you know i i got really excited i know there's some people who are going to be a little apprehensive uh um, the the jokes of lens flare has already reached oh yeah uh, already reached the point where it should stop i'm okay already. if there's lens flare as long as there's a lightsaber involved that's yeah. what i'm saying the, the way here. i see it is as long as it looks different than star trek and like uh super eight and those kinds of films if it looks different and it has its again its own view its own picture yeah. You know, its own aesthetic, that's where I'll be happy. I would actually argue that J.J. Abrams' cinematic style is more suited to the Star Wars universe than it is the Star Trek universe. It was very interesting to see his take on the Star Trek universe, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. But I do think that there are some Trekkie fans who acknowledge that there are certain things the way with the way he told the story that were not uh, the essence of the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, I've, I've been having this discussion with uh, fellow nerds outside of the uh, Nerdonomy Network. Um, Has it been heated? Uh, it's been heated and optimistic at the same time. My feelings about J.J. Abrams is that he, on my dream list, was second, uh, right behind Steven Spielberg, to direct a Star Wars movie. Oh, God. I know. Oh, that man. Was, that, that was wishful would be, dreaming. 
incredible. That would be stupid. Well, you know, like, he was S T O O P I D. You know, he was the original. Awesome. You know, he was the original choice to yep. direct Return of the Jedi. I mean, stupid isn't stupid yeah. good. When and I say okay, stupid, good. Good. that means stupid. that means stupid right. good. Yeah. Um, the discussion that I've had is um, like you guys have been mentioning uh, his cinematic style. Um, even with the prequels, there was always a classical method of uh, filmmaking that George uh, and his team uh, always applied, especially with the prequels, um, even during the uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith battle sequences, it still felt relatively classic cinema, not too many, you know, shaky cams, not like a lot of the quick zooms, even though it was done once or twice. But with J.J. Abrams, I'm really hoping that he inserts some of his own style, but maintains that classic style of cinema. There's a certain epic... And then that, of course, calls back to the Flash Gordon yeah. serials. They, he based some of the aesthetic a lot of off it, of yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. With J.J. Abrams as the choice of director, I am equal parts ecstatic and apprehensive because um, this is a great idea. I'm all behind it. Uh, Michael Arndt, who won the Oscar for uh, the screenplay of Little Miss Sunshine and wrote the screenplay for Toy Story 3, is a great unexpected choice. I'm very happy with that. Um, of course, Industrial Light and Magic and uh, the talents of Ben Burt, obviously getting involved with the new Star Wars, is it's unprecedented. It's awesome. It's, it's such a great amalgamation of talent from multiple sources. And so, again, that's why I'm equal parts excited and apprehensive. Yeah. Well, any time that you're going to try to broach Star Wars 7, it's going to either be horribly good or horribly, horribly wrong. Do you, you know why Spielberg did not do Return of the Jedi? Uh, Last Crusade. If, was no. it because he was too good of friends with George Lucas? No, it was because Lucas, um, because he basically said F you to the Director's Guild. So basically, Lucas resigned from the Director's Guild uh-huh. around the time he was doing Empire Strikes Back. And really? because he wasn't, he didn't want to get involved with the unions, yeah. they said, great, well, you can't use any union people. He, his first choice to direct Return of the Jedi was Steven Spielberg. So he had to go with uh, Irving Kirshner's, who was also a DGA member who directed Empire. Empire. He went with his DP, which is Richard Marquand, and he's the guy who directed Return of the Jedi. Okay. Mm. Interesting. That is actually one Star Wars fact I did not know. Yeah. And what gets even more interesting is that because Lucas had thought that Episode 3 was going to be the last Star Wars movie... Spielberg did a lot of the previous work yes. on episode. Three. Yes, he did a lot of consulting. So some of those some of those oh, okay. sequences were done by Spielberg. Well, oh, okay. uh, supervised and approved by Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, the one in particular is uh, 35 minutes in when they crash the ship after rescuing the Emperor, and it's like doing a slow crawl towards the audience. Mm-hmm. That entire shot, George Lucas said, was dedicated to Spielberg, and he even approved of it. Well, because Spielberg is known for like, let's put all the information into one shot and see how much we can move the camera. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's that's his style, and it works. It's totally works it's great there's at least one shot in every single movie he does where the plot characters and the ending of the movie like what the projected ending of the movie will coalesce is that the right word well anyway it will be a coalesce coalesce thank you um into one shot and i want to make this a challenge for myself i'm going to try to find this for each movie he's done but go on cool no that was all i was going to say okay you may, you may resume your nerddom. Well, it was pretty cool, though. I did get a little shout-out on uh, on Twitter. You did? I oh, nice. did. Um, my friend Vicky in New York definitely pointed it out to me and was like, hey, Sarah, check this out. And then another um, just random listener of the show said that you know, he pointed out to me, and they said, by the way, you and the show are awesome, and I'll give you the precog credit for the J.J. Abrams on Star Wars. So hey. There you go. Yep. Hey. Yes, I my precognitive breasts have yet to let me down. 
<laughs> Other people will call that a women's institution. You just have a fancier name for it. Yep, there we go. And you got boobs. You mean women's intuition. What did I say? Institution? Yes. Say institution. Well. Women's institution. Like... <laughs> We're going to call it. Intuition. Intuition. The, I think we should, I think we the institution call the of intuition. I think we should call the episode, call it a woman's institution. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of weird. It does. But I guess that kind of takes us into our next segment um, about fan feedback. Listener feedback! Yeah! We just need to get a good recording of it so you don't have to do it every single time. Exactly. Sean, you just mm-hmm. play it. But either way, it is pretty funny to watch you do it. <laughs> that's what he and she said. <sighs> Why did you say that's what they said? You know what? Uh, I, I will make it uh, gender inclusive then. There we that go. That is what that's what they said. <laughs> said that to a prom date once. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so did you guys get any feedback or anything? No, no one loves us. Well, people love mm. me. Good for you. I know, right? Because I got two emails this past week. Rub it in. Yes. Anywho. (laughs) Um, So the first email that I got came to me on January 18th, but I wasn't on the last recording session, so I couldn't give it a shout out. Sorry. Um, But it says, hi, Sarah. I recently started listening to the podcast and came across Nerds on History and later Nerds on Film. You guys do an awesome job on both podcasts, making them interesting and fun to listen to. The nerd group had touched on TV shows being used for film ideas, and I was wondering if you had considered doing an episode on film adaptations of books. Some movies do a great job, like The Hobbit, while others are completely off. It's really annoying when the first book in a series is turned into a movie and they don't go further into the series. And then she said, keep up the great podcast and off Twitter. Sorry, I'm on Twitter now. (laughs) Um, Signed, uh, Sarah without an H. So um, Very nice. Yeah, Yeah. thank you very, very much for the email. Really appreciate it. And I emailed you back kind of saying that this is such a huge, daunting topic and um, I would love to cover something like that, being an English major and, and a lit nerd. But it's huge. I mean, we're talking from Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit back to, you know, Gone with the Wind. So there is a lot to cover there. And I, I'm not exactly sure if we're going to be able to get entirely to a, a, a whole episode or maybe a whole series of episodes. But it's definitely something that will always be coming up. So thank you very much for your email. So you got another awesome email, Sarah? I did get another awesome email because I'm super popular. Um, I'm starting to feel like a real nerd now. You are. You are unpopular. Nobody loves you. (laughs) Bum, 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 bum. I'm going to go kill myself. Please excuse me. And we're back. (laughs) Brian, we we will miss you. Sarah? (laughs) Moving on. Uh, So... Aw, don't look I'm like that. I'm start crying. Don't look so dejected. <laughs> oh, come on. You're a valued member of the team. Yeah. Sheesh. <laughs> Pish posh about that silly suicide nonsense. Uh, by the way, it's 4-1. Um, we just scored again. Wonderful. Okay, so... <laughs> Tampa, they're right. They're playing Tampa? No, they're playing Vancouver Canucks. Never mind. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know why. I, I just want to think there's that rivalry there. Well... Anywho, so the next, the the other email that I got, um, it came on uh, January 27th and um, says, hello, I just wanted to thank you all. uh, Thank you and all the hosts for an amazing podcast. I've nearly been kicked out of the grad library twice for giggling too loudly while listening to your show. Please have to keep keep up the good work. The graduate library. Yeah, the grad library. That's awesome. The bonus points for... Being one in a library, two listening to us in a library, yeah, <laughs> and three being in grad school. Yes, good for you. That's yes. really yeah. awesome. Good for you. 
Um, I just discovered this podcast recently, so I've been playing catch-up, and I apologize if this already been suggested in later podcasts, but I was hoping to hear your thoughts on the Sherlock Holmes verse. Mm. I'm a huge literary nerd, and I was thrilled that the series seems to be really popular lately. However, all the recent releases have uh, tweaked the source material and come up with different uh, conceits to use based on the same original work. The Robert Downey Jr. movies were campy and fun, but they made Sherlock and Watson equals, something that hadn't really been done before. BBC's Sherlock set the stories in modern London and lets the viewers see the deduction as Sherlock works through it. Finally, the American show Elementary not only changes the London setting, but makes Dr. Watson's character into a woman. Woman. I know you're a film podcast, but I think that BBC's drama Sherlock is worth discussing as cool. each session is broken down into three episodes that are all 90 minutes long. Each episode could very well be its own movie. And while I could gush over I could the, agree with that. Yeah. I, I've made that comment to several people that I want to get interested in that show. Mm-hmm. Exact wording. Yeah. While I could gush over the production quality and the script writing forever, I do think that the changes made to the story deserve a deeper look. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Yada, yada, yada. Um, anyway, thank you for reading what turned into a giant block of text. I hope that you keep making wonderful podcasts and spread the nerd word. Sam. Well, I'm just going to break the ice. I hate Sherlock Holmes. He's a fucking asshole. I mean, he may have killed my grandfather, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> Says Moriarty. Yes. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> No, truth be told, actually, I love Sherlock Holmes. I think he it is one of the best characters ever created in literature. And I think... Um, I do concur, good sir. I think Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch have done the character justice. I'm a little on the fence about Johnny Leah Miller at this point. He's the guy who does him on Elementary. Oh, I haven't seen yeah. Elementary at all. Yeah. I, I'm also going to break the ice with you. Um I am a big fan of the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock movies. I am also a big fan of the BBC Sherlock. However, when I saw the promo surrounding Elementary, it completely turned me off because it just, it seemed so, I want to say the word is flaccid, but I just yeah. want to, I just want to say just for our viewers that don't know what flaccid no, it's, means, it's, no, we don't it's need very definition. tepid, it's very <laughs> mediocre, very uninspiring. I don't think we need a definition of flaccid. I think okay. we all get it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> This um, is an explicit podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure we all know what flaccid yeah. means. But it's um, not a swear. <laughs> Mommy said a swear. <laughs> I know what I'm I think just saying is. you have a certain level of maturity that you should, if you're listening to yes. an explicit podcast, you should know yes. that word. You know what I think it is? I think it's that he's in America. I think not putting him in London is very offsetting. There's something yeah. about his world that needs to be British. Or European, at least. I don't know why. The accent just doesn't do it. It needs to be a European-British setting. It has to be. Not only that, but that's also not Johnny Lee Miller's native British accent. It's not as refined as he's playing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a little more cockney. Yeah, it it sounds like an American trying to do a British accent. Exactly. And being that Benedict Cumberbatch is English... Doesn't need to do any extra and work. He also has the most British name of all time. He does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. British. But he's also a classically trained actor. You know, he studied at, makes one of, I believe, the Royal Shakespeare uh, Definitely makes Academy. Sense. And Robert Downey Jr. is just a genius. You know, yeah. he will do the work to make it work. Absolutely. I think between the two, I think I do kind of prefer Cumberbatch. Oh, I do too. And I Downey. think it's because I feel like Robert Downey Jr. is a little bit more um, charismatic, a little bit more dynamic. I think I like the Cumberbatch version because it seems more, it's more internal 
and it's it's less looking for I don't know I want to say like it's less about the approval of the people around him. It's it's almost like um, Cumberbatch plays him as if he had Asperger's syndrome, right? And yet, and Downing Jr. plays him like he's just an asshole. Which I think uh, but I, I wouldn't th- say an asshole. I would say just. Brash. Unpopular, brash, very, yeah. very brash, yeah. And I would think that that, but that sort of Asperger's type thing going on, the lack of friendships, the lack of of you know societal contact, that that kind of yeah. thing, just quick thinking as well, I very f- rapid. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a little bit more true to um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's original Sherlock, yeah. um, mm-hmm. because the only time that I think he really gets any sort of satisfaction from other people are when they're praising him. Right. So um, I feel like that. I feel like that's a little bit more closely related, even though it's set in modern times. And um, I was actually a little reluctant at first when I started watching the BBC show because I felt it was going to get a little bit too procedural. Yeah. Um, which I'm but, just, I, in general, I'm not a fan yeah. of procedurals. But the, it took a whole different turn. And no joke, I watched everything in like one afternoon. Yeah. Because and, I just got so hooked. Well, yeah. afternoon awesome. into evening, I would imagine yeah. then. Yeah. No, because I started in the morning. Oh, you did? Oh, oh so yeah. morning to afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I was working on, on crafting Christmas presents. So nice. Was, yeah. Um, I mean, well, one thing I just want to mention about the BBC Sherlock is that the talent on screen and behind the screen has already caught Hollywood by storm. Um, one of the co-creators, uh, Stephen Moffat, actually wrote the screenplay or helped write the screenplay for Steven Spielberg's Adventures of Tintin, which came out in 2011, oh, okay. along yeah. with Edgar Wright, who oh. wrote and directed Sha- uh, Shaun of the Dead, yeah, Hot yeah. Fuzz. And upcoming uh, The World's End. Oh my god, I'm so excited Me for too. that. Me too. Yeah. Um, <gasps> Benedict Cumberbatch, obviously the big villain in Star Trek Into Darkness this summer. And, and the voice of Smog. The voice mm-hmm. and, um, I believe, uh, voice acting of Smog yeah. for the, A Desolation of Smog and then There and Back Again. And Steve, or I'm sorry, uh, wow, I was about to say the wrong name. Martin Freeman. Martin Thank you. Freeman. Martin Freeman is none Ooh, other than I, Bilbo Baggins. I love Martin Freeman. He, he was my favorite part of the pilot when I saw that. I mean, Cameron was great, but like mm-hmm. seeing it from Watson's perspective, yeah, yeah a very was really interesting, because a very humble, and he's yeah. humble performance, just overwhelmed by this other character. I feel like I love, I just love the dynamic. Yeah, the dynamic. I I, I would agree. I think the dynamic works better with Cumberbatch and Watson compared to um, Downey Downey Jr. Jr. and Jula. Law. Jula. Well, you Jula, mean Jula, Cumberbatch you. and Freeman? You said Watson. Sorry, okay. Cumberbatch and. Freeman, thank you for correcting yeah. me. <laughs> but no, I would I would agree, and and she she definitely pointed it out in the email that the two very much have a, a an equal partnership in the in the movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to you know the TV show, and again the TV show, the BBC show definitely again lends itself to the source material where a lot of that is is Watson writing reflecting on Sherlock. So mm-hmm. I feel like that stays yeah. a little bit more. Well, true. I, I feel like each. I mean, if you want to call them episodes, they really are just kind of like movies. Yeah. Mini movies, yeah. Uh, each mini movie is an adaptation of one of the books. Absolutely. Just updated. And so, mm-hmm. of course, they're being loyal to it because they're taking, whereas with the Sherlock Holmes movies with Downey Jr. and Jude Law, they're really kind of loose interpretations. They're mm-hmm. characters in different plot lines. And they're mixing uh, multiple volumes into one movie as Correct. well. Um, which is why, actually, I prefer Game of Shadows over the first uh, Downey Jr. Sherlock movie because it started off with Watson typing the story, kind of oh, okay. like how he does in the books. And I really thought the dynamic of characters feeding off of each other in the movie was much more balanced and much more inspiring than in the first one. Mm-hmm. Just my thoughts. Yes, yeah, I never saw the second one. So. It's. I think it's it better. It was all right. 
<clears throat> I think it's better than the Sherlock. What I did like with those movies is they were very blockbuster. I did. I really enjoyed the action scenes yes. and stuff like that. It was really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, um, because I obviously own both of the movies, uh, Guy Ritchie and Robert Downey Jr. said that in the uh, texts of the stories or in the notes that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote, that Sherlock Holmes actually did get into brawls and he was very methodical, which is why they added that fighting style into yeah. those movies. And that, and that was fun. It was really boxer. cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, the, what I was worried about is that when I read the premise for that, they were going to emphasize his more of his role as a, as a swordsman and a boxer. It's like, well, he's still a detective, though, right? Like, they're not going to just make him this guy who picks fights. And I think that was the part where I, I meant they did justice. He's got the hyper attention to detail, and mm-hmm. he still is a brilliant detective. They basically tried to make Sherlock Holmes into a superhero when yeah. they did with the Dungeon yeah. Junior version. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm okay with that. But, but they but definitely took out the Coke habit thing. Yeah, <laughs> and they just replace it with random opium. types of Isn't drugs. Opium? Yeah, it's opium in the second one, I think. I think. I thought it was opium, but I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I think yeah. no. So I know that he has a coke habit, and that he occasionally will um, dabble with morphine, but he doesn't recommend going to opium dens. Yes, Interesting. yes, he does. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, and the Johnny Lee Miller Sherlock Holmes is a recovering heroin addict. Oh, okay. So interesting how they're they're yeah. interpreting that. And basically, I, from the episode I've seen of it, which was okay, Jane Watson is his court assigned doctor. Ah. Oh. That's how she's involved with them. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she helps him with the crimes, of course, because she's smart. But that's why oh. they're involved. Although this is not very much so related to Sherlock Holmes specifically, however, in terms of famous roles being gender swapped, I wanted to throw out a rumor about a upcoming summer movie that is starting to hit the internets. It was about like last week. Okay. Man of Steel trailer shows uh-huh. Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, obviously, uh, his character that he plays is uh, Perry White. In the comics, has always been white, and he's black. So that was one twist. However, Jimmy... What's, his, what's Jimmy's last name? Jimmy Olsen. Thank you. There's no Jimmy Olsen. There is a Jenny Olsen. And in the trailer, when you see uh, Perry White running away from all this catastrophe, explosion, buildings falling down, he's holding a woman's hand as they're running away from this. And everybody thinks that that actress on IMDb, who is mentioned as Jenny Olsen, is in that trailer. But it's only rumor at this point. It hasn't been confirmed. Well, there's a lot of evidence to it, but... Yeah, there's a lot of evidence to a lot of things. Yes, but I just wanted to put that out there. That's kind big, of interesting. Yeah, yeah, big Superman fan. We're all looking forward to Man of Steel. Uh, Elementary has Jane Watson. We should probably do an episode on gender-swapped roles. That'd be yeah. interesting. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm totally fine with Lawrence Fishburne playing I am Terry White, because yeah. I think... What's it, wrong with a girl being Jimmy Olsen? I don't know if it suits the character, but that's... Well, the character is nerdy, absolutely gobsmack obsessed with Superman. So I think if they yeah, play that it t- angle... It takes, it takes a whole other dynamic. It makes yeah. her more like uh, an obsessed fan who might be romantically involved than... It doesn't have to be. I know, I, know, I know it doesn't have to be. And I know that bringing up the gender issue is going to light a fire under your ass. So we'll just we'll drop it a little bit <laughs> later. Yeah, it totally will. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll save that for another why, discussion. That's yeah. why I probably shouldn't have expressed my opinion, but... That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, let's... It's not a sexist thing. I no, no, say, I know. I know. Yeah. I understand. But this is me kind of defending female characters. Right. Well, and... then, yeah. <laughs> I will say that not all gender crossing works. Okay. Well, okay. let's put that in the bank yeah. for, for a future topic. Let's put a pin in it. Boop. There it is. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Uh, well, I, I wanted to say with Sherlock, um, I like what Hollywood... 
and I like what BBC has done with the interpretations. Um, I am very much so looking forward to Series 3 when it comes back in about four years or so, unfortunately. Within four years, because uh, the talent surrounding the show is all waiting for Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch to briefly exit their major Hollywood roles uh, so that way they can get back to the show. I'm I'm eagerly anticipating when that returns. Um, I am also looking forward to a third Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie. They're having another one? Oh, you haven't seen the second one? No. Okay. See the second one, and okay. there's possibility. Yeah. I'll leave there's, it at that. It's opened up to it. Yes. Gotcha. Sarah and Sam, thank you for your emails. Sam, there's your there's your little brief discussion. And Sarah, hey, we talked about literature being converted into uh, movies mm. and TV. So yes. there we go. Well, thank you guys for sending that email. I, for one, got into Sherlock from watching it on Netflix. And speaking of which, I think that's a, uh, important to talk about because Netflix is doing pretty well for themselves. They had a pretty rough year. They started off the year at $6 a share. Oy. Ooh. Yeah. And that was down from being in the 200s a couple of years ago. Right, right, right. Wow. And they closed their fourth quarter with $146 a share. Wow. wow. Yeah. They really pulled themselves out of the gutter on that one. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. And a lot of speculation of that came from them changing their model to one is streaming only, right? Right. Um, and then l- losing the, the $10 a month unlimited streaming plus one DVD yeah. per week to now the $15 or, or is it, or it's, I it's, think it's fourteen ninety nine for two discs and unlimited streaming. All yeah, I know they brought is that back. You, they used to be streaming or DVDs. Right. Yeah. That's wait, right. so wait, they brought it back where you can have both DVD and streaming? Because I'm still yeah. on like $21 a month and I think I, and I have both. Uh, last time I saw my monthly statement from Netflix, I think it was like fourteen ninety nine. dollars 99 And you have both? Yeah, for it's DVD, uh, it's two discs and I also pay the right. Blu-ray premium plus unlimited streaming. Okay, I need to reevaluate my Netflix yeah, account because well. I'm playing 21 something or other and mm-hmm. I've got two discs and unlimited. Oh, that's yeah. probably what I'm paying then. And, and, then, just, and, again, I, don't have, been... and I don't have a Blu-ray upgrade. Oh, okay. So I'm only doing streaming only. Yeah. Uh, and Well, I remember it was like it was last summer or early 2012. They created a separate company as part of Netflix, like you had mentioned, to do streaming only. Mm-hmm. And people were so against this, so vehe- vehemently 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 thank you um i remember the uproar and the therefore following email by reed hastings saying dear kevin Zatorius, i screwed up i think every other netflix member got that yeah. and it's like that was i've never heard a ceo actually do that type of thing which reed hastings i give you kudos to that yeah, was didn't very, he resign no he's didn't still he, here didn't i thought he was, i thought he resigned i have no, no idea i'm pretty okay. sure he's still around yeah but okay. it, very gutsy of him it's good. It was very human. Yeah. Yeah. To absolutely. That. I, I remember getting that instead or of a that. cloak and dagger type of response. But I mean, um, it's it's no joke how much streaming has changed the way we watch movies. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, well, here's the funny thing. So this rise with Netflix is concurrent with the rest of the industry too, because the industry was up for the first time in several years after a seven year dip. Mm-hmm. 2012 was the first year where where home entertainment sales went up. Oh, okay. Hmm. Not by much, though. It was seven. It went from seventeen point nine six billion to eighteen billion but in two thousand twelve. That's that is bit. a billion at yeah. least. A little bit. It's more like forty million difference. But what is interesting, though, is the percentage of which of those were streaming or online has gone up. It was up twenty eight percent. And uh, if you there's two articles where you can look this up. One is from the L.A. Times. They ran an article maybe a week or two mm-hmm. ago, and. Uh, it's called Home Video Revenue No Longer Failing. And uh, the Wall Street Journal 
did the same. Uh, they're both from the same report from a group called the Digital Entertainment Group. Who mm. Basically, they track home entertainment sales. Okay. Uh, and the Wall Street Journal one is great because their infographic breaks down which is which. Okay. Nice. Theirs is called Home Movie Sales Log a Rare Increase. And uh, of the percentage, about half of it is coming from people buying DVDs or Blu-rays now. Mm-hmm. About a third of it is coming from renting Blu-rays or DVDs, and then the rest is coming from online. Okay. Interesting. Content. So it's becoming quite more, yeah. quite yeah, a sizable chunk. Yeah. Um, I remember reading an article in either early 2012 or late 2011. Um, there was a study that internet traffic around the world, mm-hmm. Netflix was uh, accounting for a notable chunk. The figure uh, that I'm trying to remember is somewhere between 10 and 28% of the yeah. world's internet bandwidth taken up by yeah. Netflix streaming. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And this was also another big year for Netflix because they also surpassed Apple as the leading online really choice for getting movies. Apple's iTunes was was the big gun for a while, and now this one overtook them. Funny because now when you go to the the uh, App Store, the iTunes Store, you can create a Netflix account using your Apple ID. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And other people are trying to get on, get in on the game too. There's yeah. Voodoo. There's Ultraviolet, which is a consortium of studios trying right. to do. Well, I think, I think Hulu's up their game, too. Absolutely. True, but Hulu's doing more um, television. television and, like, so making TV Netflix movies. So is Netflix streaming. Netflix streaming is, like... It's actually... the Netflix is the best of both worlds in terms yeah. of TV and movies. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed that Hulu, every once in a while, will get a big-name movie from, right. like, the last 20 years yeah. that you can watch. But they're very solely based in television. Not, not like a big-name movie that you would see on television, basically. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I see what you guys are, were saying. Uh, the the flavor of, of Hulu is very much like what you would get on a network television. The flavor of what you get from Netflix is more like getting from the video store. Yeah. Or, you know, God rest its soul, uh, Tower Records, you know. Oh, or or on its way out the door, Blockbuster. Yeah. Which, interesting segue, uh, Reed Hastings thought of the idea of Netflix because um, he had returned uh, late Apollo 13 on DVD, and he had an, uh, an extraordinary uh, bill of late fees from Blockbuster, and that was the spawn of his idea for Netflix. Yeah. I read yeah. that in an article. That well. was pretty much the great thing is it went straight to your house, and there yeah. were no late fees. Yeah. That was the big thing. Yeah. Yep. So. And if I'm not mistaken, the membership uh, that you pay monthly when it comes to Netflix, if you do the DVD, includes your shipping charges whenever you get movies. Because it's like $2 because it's physical media in a small, mm-hmm. thin envelope. So, interesting. Yeah. I will say, though, like a part of me, because my grandparents are actually the ones who told my parents about Netflix way, way, way back in the day when it first started. Mm-hmm. Of course, it wasn't that long ago. but It's it like seems, six years ago. seems like that Maybe long ago, years, right? I think it ago. actually was much longer than that because it's 2013. I remember getting this membership in either 2004 or 2005. I meant to say 2004, so okay. nine years ago. Yeah. So wow. my, uh, Time flies by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my grandparents were the ones who, who told my parents about this, and at that point I was still kind of reeling from the loss of Warehouse, Mm-hmm. Because we might, it was like warehouse, yeah. It was like just a a a, a trip that a, a weekly trip that we would do. Like my brother and I would go with my dad to warehouse and pick up movies. Like that's just yeah. No, I miss I miss Suncoast. I oh, love Suncoast. Suncoast. Oh my god, that was so convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Me not growing up in California, it was Target, some small bookstore chain which closed down less than a year. That was open, or um. Uh, unfortunately going with Best Buy because at the time mom and dad wouldn't let me have an Amazon account and they actually didn't use Amazon themselves 
Therefore, by uh, yeah. by consequence, I wasn't made aware of Amazon really until I went to college. Well, really, unless you're getting Amazon, or by the way, Amazon Video is also a big yeah. Proportion Amazon of Prime now. Video, yeah, exactly. Unless you're going to those places, you're pretty much going now to like a, a multi-retailer like Target or yep. Best Buy to get your content. And it's just, it's weird. Like, I remember, I know that that's kind of the way the economics of our country are going. We're centralizing everything into these mega marts. But I kind of like the idea of going to a video store, a place that was dedicated to just movies or TV shows. And you go in and you knew the cashier. There was a vibe around it, you know? It's like, I'm kind of like going to a record store, I guess. Absolutely. Same kind of feeling. Yeah. And it's sad to see that that's dying. But at the same time, we... You love the convenience of online streaming. Absolutely. Right. I have noticed in the past like five years, um, the biggest two chains I can think of are Target and Best Buy. Depending on the type of movie it is, between those two retailers, they'll come out with like a super special edition with either a bonus disc or special edition, limited yeah. edition packaging and stuff like that to try to compete. Uh, now, to be honest, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I prefer Amazon because one, if I pre-order it, that means I get free same day shipping when it comes out. So that way I can get it. Uh, it's sitting on my doorstep when I arrive home from work instead of having to go to a place to get it. That's yeah. just how I prefer getting my movies, video games, basically anything that Amazon offers I try to get. So the that only way I have to go out. The one thing I will say that Netflix is lacking though, and I don't know if Amazon Video has this mm-hmm. feature or not, iTunes certainly has it. Yeah. Is uh, the extras. Yeah. Yeah. And, you don't and, get any of the extras when you do the streaming. Uh, Amazon Prime does not do extras. Yeah. Yeah. When you do the streaming with Netflix, you definitely don't get it. And then mm-hmm. with their DVDs, the ones that they're giving out, I think a lot of them are. They're like, a, they're like a lot of them are versions. really the really, retail versions. Yeah, yeah. The really really basic one. Uh, yeah. Unless again, it's depending on which type of movie it is. Yeah. Um, they will if when you put like for example, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Braveheart Sapphire series Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. When you put that in your queue and you choose Blu-ray. Um, you can choose disc one, movie, disc two, special features. But in my experience with disc rentals via Netflix, I haven't seen that happen or seen yeah. that it doesn't. Ha- it doesn't happen. And even iTunes yeah. will only do it when you buy the movie. You won't do it when you rent the movie. Right. Oh, okay. and, they'll, and if it has iTunes extras, you just yeah. get the content. Well, actually, I also want to throw this out there only because when the Jurassic Park Blu-ray trilogy came out, of course I got it. With the digital copies per movie, um, yeah. redeeming it in iTunes... They gave me those extra features as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, again, depending on the movie um, with iTunes yeah. and the extras, yeah. it may actually... I do think but, that's but that was some... Sorry, I'm sorry. That was still something you bought, though. You didn't rent it. I bought the Blu-ray trilogy, which came with the digital copies. Right. And therefore, they gave me the digital copy of the movie and the digital right, copy of yeah. the extras. And that was kind of how people were trying to, to move it to show people that... Yep. You can have this cohabitation. Yeah. 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 I think that was the, well, the point I was just about to make. Yeah. That I do think it's really cool that you can go out and buy a box set that has the DVD, the Blu-ray, and the digital copy. Yep. Only because we'll probably get into this uh, a lot more, but in about, I want to say 2008 or 2009, I was having this discussion with my wife. I had recently gotten a PS3. I was really liking uh, the quality of video and audio on a Blu-ray, and I said, you know... I don't know why they haven't done it yet, but movie studios really should start releasing Blu-ray DVD combo packs. And she's like, well, why? And I'm like, well, think about it. You're finding an easy way for customers to segue into the Blu-ray format, meaning that they don't have to buy it twice, even though you'd think some studios would do that. However, if you are taking the movie to a friend's house or family members and they don't have a Blu-ray player, there's your DVD copy. And she's like, you know, that's a really good idea. Not a year and a half goes by without me going to the media about this. Uh, all the other uh, Blu-ray production studios started doing that. And today it's commonplace. 
They're listening to your thoughts, Kevin. Yeah, I know. If only I had precogs. Right. Well, I tell. Well, yeah. If only I had precogs. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase that. If I had my own version of precogs. Okay. I was like, you, you want boobs? <laughs> well, that's not a topic for anyone to hear but myself. <laughs> Maybe he just wants really amazing pecs that are also precogs. I know, right? Because okay. men do have boobs. man boobs. Sure, sure. Then there are the moobs, the which moves. nobody wants. Nobody wants moobs. Nope, no. no one wants moobs, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> spiraling. We're spiraling. No one wants moobs. No one wants <laughs> moobs. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely got to be the title. (laughs) I'm turning red. (laughs) Lord have mercy. (laughs) Can we spell it M-E-W-B-S? Like, you know how some people spell boobs B-E-W-B-S? Who spells it that way? Oh, like uh, when you're watching or when you look at memes, when sometimes they put in boobs, they'll be like boobs. That's awful. All right, fine. M-O-O-B-S, then. There we go. Moobs. <laughs> moobs. Such an awkward word to moob. Yeah. You're such a moob. It's one letter off from being a noob. Or mm. a boob. Or you, a you boob. Can, you can't call somebody a boob. That's you right. Can. Wasn't that like a, a popular insult in like the 1920s? Yes. Oh, you're such a boob. Yeah. Which is actually why for a while I was... I don't know why, but I had a soapbox moment where I was like... <laughs> Yes, this conversation's happening. <laughs> Where I would only call them tits because I didn't like the word boob. Because I was like, yeah. don't insult. Don't insult them. <laughs> They're tits, yeah. damn it. Well, speaking of which, I, I think this would have to be uh, a Nerds on History topic in terms of the history of television. But where the hell did the term boob tube come up? Didn't they cover it? You guys covered that in an episode. You guys had the history of TV. Um, I don't know where boob came from, but it, I mean, well, the another tube is because it was a cathode ray tube that was used for yeah. the television set. Well, the tube, yeah, uh, logically that makes sense. But why put in the moniker boob? I'm just going to guess and say the cathode ray tube looks like a breast. Or it's because you look like a dumb shit yeah. for having watched it. Yeah, you you uh, look, you, you are an idiot. Because that was like the insult. The, like the idiot box, you know? So Thank you, like sound that. guy. Yeah. Thank you, sound guy. Yes, elaborate hand signals, thank you. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Not that it looks like a boob. True. I have yet to see a television that looks like a boob. With well, a... It's, it's the tube in it, I though. Know. So, I, know. Okay. I know. I smell a marketing opportunity. Hey-o. <laughs> hey, perverts. Except you want to get a TV that looks like a boob? <laughs> it's precognitive. Our sound guy just showed us a picture of a woman in costume with a TV over her breasticles. <laughs> and they're very exposed. They are very, very, very exposed. <laughs> in fact, the TV frames them just right. <laughs> yes, getting back to this topic. I do find it kind of interesting that uh, I think a lot of people have been exposed to... M- God damn it. <laughs> exposed. Exposed. <laughs> people Zip. have been Introduced. able... Yes, have been able to watch much more in the way of, of TV shows via Netflix streaming. Yep. We, like we mentioned, Sherlock. Mm. I'm pretty sure the uh, the increase in, in Doctor Who fandom is pretty much directly correlated. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. So. Um, uh, uh, similar to BBC Nature, uh, my wife and I, only because one of our friends was infatuated, and my grandmother actually, for that matter, was infatuated with the Downton Abbey series. 
we used Netflix and Amazon Prime to catch up. Uh, and I got to tell you, we went through those episodes like so freaking fast. So fast. I'm addicted. Yeah. Yes. I am addicted. I'm I was catching up today. Addicted to, addicted to that show. My mom asked if she could use my Netflix account because she wanted to get into Downton Abbey. It's yeah. so good. Um, yeah. The only, the as far as I know right now, the only the first two seasons. Yes. No, only the first series seasons. Series one and two. Series one is on streaming. Series two, you have to get via DVD. But series two, one and two is on Amazon Prime. Oh, is I it? I know that for sure. Okay. Yes. Um, series three in the U.S. is currently debuting. It's currently um, it was it, it, actually series three comes out on DVD and Blu-ray on Tuesday. Does uh, it really? The twenty ninth. Yeah, that's fast. Yeah, in the U.S., but it's the BBC broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been I've been watching it on on TV. Would you stop it? You guys are distracting me. It's all my fault. I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but actually, uh, right, go to your room. Yeah, on the you street, off this podcast. You stay in your corner. <laughs> you stay in your corner. Sorry. You go there. We'll wait. And we're welcome back, back. <laughs> Brian. How did you like your time out? What did you learn? <laughs> I learned that I don't like you guys very much anymore. Boom, 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 boom. Um, but yes, uh, with is this, it, Sarah? with the streaming, is it? streaming. Yes, it is. Right, it is. I'm not talking about a river. <laughs> um, with this streaming topic, uh, I actually, this has become a major, I would actually, I would, no exaggeration, I would say this has become a literal uh, major pop culture phenomenon in terms of Netflix, Amazon, other video streaming services, in terms of telling your friends what you found on those services and going through the TV show series really fast. Like, mm-hmm. I've noticed that with everybody I interact with, my parents, mm-hmm. my grandparents, my friends, my coworkers, everybody that I interact with that has a Netflix, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, account. <clears throat> that's a great topic of conversation with anybody that I've talked to. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a conversation starter, but, you know, call me traditional, but I still prefer seeing movies in theaters. Oh, I do, too. Well, yeah, I think the two experiences are... Very different, but not mutually exclusive, where you can't, mm-hmm. you know, you no. prefer at home versus Th- There whatever. is something that to be said about the communal experience, very much like theater, the communal experience of you guys all watching the same thing. Together, yeah. And even if it's a few friends over at your house, it's not the same experience you would get when you have that weird, it's the weird thing of being yeah, in strangers and, the, and yeah. the audience. It's a very spiritual thing, I think. It's this, it brings everybody together in a well, weird way. I, I totally agree. But the nice thing is when I have friends over or family members watching a movie together, it may not be the same theater. Uh, experience with an audience, but it's still a great experience nonetheless because you're still sharing something together. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Am I the only weird one here who prefers watching movies by herself? No. Yes. I, yeah. No. <laughs> I prefer going to the movies by myself for the most part. You know, I, as much as I do enjoy the, the you know, pre and post discussion, mm-hmm. obviously, since I'm doing a podcast about movies. Oh, really? I know. Weird. <laughs> wait, wait, we're recording right now? People are listening to us? What? Are you guys being serious? I'm about to freak out right now. Calm down, Brian. We have an audience. It's okay. (laughs) You'll do fine. Don't hurt yourself. I'll be okay. All right. Go get some water. We'll still wait. (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm good. But yeah, so I I kind of, for some reason, I think I like having the time to myself in a sounds really weird having time to myself in a dark movie theater where i'm actually <laughs> there's the time of your life by yourself in a movie theater right but i'm do you watch downton abbey in a darkened theater no <laughs> that's sarah's personal time thank you at home <laughs> um, <laughs> go on 
but where I, you know, I can be in a place where I don't have to. In fact, I'm not supposed to answer my phone. I'm just zoned out, yeah. immersed in the experience. So I, I think I prefer that a little bit more. But like, you know, there's also the thing of kind of revisiting a lot of your favorites from the comfort of your own couch. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I will completely concur with you on that note. Nowadays, uh, when I'm off from work, I actually prefer going to the earliest showing of a movie. So that way, one, I get the seat that I want. I hate going to fight over people and being surrounded by mm-hmm. assholes, mostly teenagers, uh, in the theater. I don't like waiting Fucking in lines teenagers. anymore. And to be honest, unless it's a major movie event, like, for example, uh, in summer 2012, I made three trips to oh no yeah yeah three uh, trips to the movie theater for a midnight showing it was for prometheus avengers and the dark knight rises yeah i waited in line for a, at least an hour for each of those showings i was surrounded by a large crowd and it was enjoyable for all three of those experiences but if i were to go see like if i went to hansel and gretel at midnight or oh, i went no, to like no. a seven o'clock showing no, 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 i no, don't no. think i would enjoy that i very much prefer the idea of convenience um, only because that's where I am in my life when it comes to going to the movies at the right. theater. You know, I got. We're I might risk old. my nerd credibility here. I'm kind of over seeing midnight movies, premieres of movies. Yeah, you're crazy. You yeah. might be a little cray cray. I am a little cray cray. I'm a, I'm okay with the cray cray. Dashy cray. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, actually, I prefer matinees myself. Yeah, I do like going in the middle of the day because it's still a dark theater you're going into. It's quieter. People don't bother you as much. You're not worried about. A seat, though oddly enough, the past two movies I've seen mm-hmm. have been oddly full for matinees, like almost really? full houses. Yeah, for oh. late mat, they're late in matinees, so they're like four or five o'clock. Oh, okay, All yeah, right. but still, like, really, like yeah. you would expect at least now, not until like seven <laughs> o'clock at right. night. But you know what, I actually, really, I, I miss is uh, there used to be a couple of theaters in, the, in our area who would do cult movies, they would oh, take like yeah. a movie that mm-hmm. has been on video for long times yeah. and they'd get the rights to it. And that's a lot of fun. Oh, well, it's funny that you mentioned that um, where I live, uh, there is a theater uh, that actually does the midnight movie of the week type of thing. In December, they did Pulp Fiction. Um, This past weekend, they did Snakes on a Plane. Really? Yeah. Uh, They do this in a theater that uh, near where I live um, pretty regularly, at least once a weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure the Camera 7 still does that. Do they they still do it? Yeah, they do. Because I I was looking at their website on, on certain things. Um, and I saw that they had some come up. So Interesting. The one I was really surprised at was uh, the AMCs in our area a couple of years ago experimented yeah. with doing, uh, yeah, they did like the Princess Bride. They, they also did, did the oh. Godfather trilogy. They did Batman. They did the Godfather trilogy restored. Sean, yeah, I've noticed that myself. And I, even though I haven't been able to go to any of those, unfortunately, um, I really like that idea. For example, uh, in April, Jurassic Park in IMAX 3D will be released for one week only. I, unfortunately, I wasn't old enough to see Jurassic Park on the big screen mm-hmm. uh, when it first came out. And so this will be my only chance to see Jurassic Park on a giant-ass screen with 10,000 watts of surround sound via IMAX. Mm-hmm. I'm totally going there. We no question. Have, we should have like a little nerdonomy yeah. outing. You know what was really cool? I remember seeing Beauty and the Beast in 3D when it came out about yeah. a year ago. Yeah. I saw that. That was really, really spectacular. Really? That was. That was yeah. It was very interesting. Well, huh. first of all, a couple reasons. Because this was the um, first movie in a long time where Disney had used that special camera where they have the, the different layers. It's a, it's a post-production 
process in terms of the 3D editing. No, it's no, it's this big long. No, they they Disney oh, Studios. Oh, oh, you mean uh, I've seen this. Uh, Walt Disney and his company created uh, several a multi a multi-plane camera is what Thank it's called. Thank you. Yes. Thank that's you. What yeah, I was. the multi-plane camera. This is the first animated feature that had used the multi-plane camera in a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Disney having the separate layers still, you're right, used it to convert it into 3D and it yeah. was spectacular. Okay. It was, it like, was very very interesting. There were some parts that were kind of weird, some kind of like humorous points I think where it looked very Cardboard, like cardboard, standing yeah. cardboard, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, it's still two dimensional that you're dealing with. That yeah. that uh, ballroom scene mm-hmm. is right. what made the big freaking difference. And that was okay. Disney's first ever attempt at doing a computer generated background. And if I'm not mistaken, I I, I swear I know I read this somewhere. Uh, Pixar was actually involved with that shot. Mm-hmm. They yeah, were, and they were, I think, involved with Com- the Cave of Wonders and uh, Rescuers in- Down Under as well. Oh, really? really? Yeah, the opening shot of Rescuers Down Under was done by Pixar. Oh. Where they're going over the tulips yeah, yeah, in yeah. Australia. Yeah. Très intéressant. The Pixar story documentary. I watched it on Netflix. Well, I'll be dipped. There we go. Yeah. I've, I remember seeing the Pixar story, too, but I had forgotten those details. Yeah. yeah. That's really, really cool. They also did a sun-kissed commercial. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Everybody got to start somewhere. Got to pay the bills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Speaking of Disney, they're, they took a really interesting... Yes. You were telling me about that, that they nabbed the contract from Stars. is that Correct. right? Correct. Um, starting in 2016, uh, Netflix is going to be the exclusive first stop uh, release of big Disney-related movies. Stars had had the first property rights of like home entertainment distribution, right. uh, and uh, Netflix snatched up that contract, and the day that that was announced, Netflix released some big Disney classics like right. uh, The Rescuers, uh, Fox and the Hound. A lot um, of their middle movies. Yeah, yeah, but notable animated movies. Yeah. And so starting in 2016, uh, the first release of a big Disney movie before it hits Blu-ray DVD will be through Netflix streaming. That's crazy. So yeah. it's going to be web first. Yeah. That's that's a huge shift when that you're thinking about it. I'm so that is excited. Like a, it's like a paradigm shift right now. Yeah, that's a paradigm shift. I love, because, I love, love, love Disney yeah. movies. Because the one thing that the studios have been trying to do is they're trying to push ownership, right? Uh, and now that they're making yeah. and to say that it goes to Netflix first, where you, where you can't own your content. Correct. Is a big deal. I'm just going to put this on the table. I prefer personal copies over streaming. If you were to give me a preference, that is how I do it. Um, I still buy Blu-rays. Um, I prefer iTunes digital copies over anything else. And in fact, I am a huge hated. Uh, I know what's the opposite of an advocate. Sarah, lit major. I, I'm I'm not a thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I hate the idea of ultraviolet. I'm very disappointed that a lot of studios are getting behind it because although they advertise you can download the movie, I haven't. F- read a way that you can that it's streaming only and that the code that you get with a blu-ray dvd copy unlocks you to watch the movie i don't like the idea of ultraviolet because uh if i'm not mistaken you have to take at least or make two or three accounts in order to watch that movie that you just redeemed Um, on apple's ios devices you have to uh, download the flickster app and in order to use that app you have to create an account um if you want to link it with ultraviolet once you create that account, you have to create an ultraviolet account, and it you just, can't link into your Facebook because I know that Flickster's Facebook can you can use to. It's possible now. That was the last time I checked, okay. um, and so whenever I buy my Blu-ray DVD combo pack and there's an ultraviolet uh, slip in there, uh, I first see if that code works in iTunes, and if it doesn't, I rip it into tiny shreds and then I set it on fire. 
because I am not a fan of ultraviolet. Apparently. See, wait, that's a little extreme, don't you think? I'm totally kidding. Um, I still hate ultraviolet, but I do rip those did little. You, did you wet the bed as a kid, Kevin? I'm, I'm sorry. Like, uh, I killed little animals as well. Wow. <laughs> I'm <laughs> uncomfortable. And Sarah, why are the doors locked? <laughs> Akbar. Akbar. <laughs> um, see, with iTunes and the digital copies there, as long as you have your iTunes account, which I would imagine people who use iTunes have had their iTunes accounts for years if they're a certain age, you download the movie and you keep it. Now, the nice thing is when Apple introduced iCloud, they had made an agreement with the movie studios that even if you delete that movie accidentally, you still have the right to re-download it without having to pay for it again. For most titles. Some it's, titles don't allow it, though. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it's all studios except 20th Century Fox. That's partially true. There's some titles that are not okay. associated with 20th well, Century. I've, I've tested this out with uh, a lot of the movies that I've redeemed and I actually bought in iTunes, and I haven't come across one movie I haven't been yeah. able to re-download. So. Do you guys know what my favorite movie is? Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut? No. Believe it or not, no. All, all time. How about Batman, the Tim Burton one? Nope. I'm going to go with Hello, Dolly. Superhero movies. It's, it's Hello, what? Dolly? Really? <laughs> Theater person? I don't know. I was guessing. Is it a... Th- it surpasses superhero movies. It's surpasses not superhero. superhero movies. Yeah. Superman Is it one? Young Frankenstein? Because I know we've had a conversation it's where... It's in my top, but it's not my favorite. Okay. Because I know that I've said that like we've had this conversation about Young Frankenstein. Yeah. So It's my favorite Mel Brooks movie, but that's not my favorite movie. Yeah. It's my favorite comedy of all time. <laughs> Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is also in. Yeah. I think that's my number two favorite comedy. Yeah, favorite movie. It's my favorite movie. Like yeah. Trapped on an Island. That movie will get me through. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was looking to buy it, because I had the original DVD that came out, like it was the 25th anniversary one, I think yeah. is what it was. Yeah. Or it was just before that, and um, I was looking to buy it. I was thinking, well, I made a, a decision where I was trying to avoid optical content. Mm-hmm. from a certain point forward. One, because the industry is moving away from it, even though that half the sales are still physical goods. It's only half now. It's going down. And I made the goal that I wanted to go with digital copies only. When I was looking on iTunes, The Princess Bride was not one that, if I had deleted it, that I would be able to re-download. Ooh. It was not one that was had the contract with iTunes in the cloud. Huh. So I made the very tough decision to buy it on Blu-ray. And that was my first Blu-ray. Oh, it's, wow. So, nice. And it was the 25th anniversary one. Yeah. So uh, that one I was I feel cool. like that's one of those movies that the quality is not necessarily improved by, by Blu-ray. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Totally it is. Rest, really? Restored edition? Absolutely. Yeah, because it's a 35 millimeter frame of film has more resolution than an HD video frame. So they just remaster it. I guess, the- okay, so here's the thing. I This is the reason why I don't buy DVDs terribly often is because I'm kind of a... Yeah, well, DVDs aren't nearly as good of quality. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm just saying, like, in general, I'm kind of a tightwad. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not really? like... Really? You? I'm just not going out and dropping a bunch of money on... There's medication for that, uh, you know. Right. <laughs> but I'm not go- I'm not going out and dropping a bunch of money on DVDs mm-hmm. when I'm trying to save those money to see it in the theater. So, yeah. um, or for my Netflix account, whatever. Yeah. So it takes a kind of special movie or a nice deal for me to, to buy it. I don't have a Blu-ray player at this time mm-hmm. because up until recently I didn't even actually own a TV. Okay, that I makes sense. I just was using my roommate's TV, so... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I guess for the Blu-ray investment, because it's that much more expensive, especially mm. when they first came out... Oh, absolutely. It was one of those things, like, I was kind of weighing, like, is it worth it? So anything with, like, more action or something with more CG or whatever, I'd be mm-hmm. like, hell yeah, it's worth the investment to do it on Blu-ray. When it comes to Blu-rays, uh, Sarah, I, I, I'm very much like you as well. Um, I got a PS3 mostly because of the games, um, mm-hmm. and then right around when I got it, the Blu-ray technology... 
the PS3 had been out for at least, what was that, three year, two years at that point, um, and Blu-rays were still very expensive. However, I can give you five titles of movies that were not made recently, mm-hmm. when I say recently in the past decade, uh, that were restored to perfection that ha- would have only been done because of the br- Blu-ray format. Okay. E.T., All right. Jaws, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, uh, Alien, and Aliens. Those five movies that I own on Blu-ray have been restored to perfection. Like, to give you an example, with Jurassic Park, which, by the way, the special effects in that movie, both practical and CGI, still hold up to this day because mm-hmm. of that restoration. Okay. Um, the format, or the restoration for Alien, made the shadows and the hallways much darker and was much more uh, ominous. There okay. wasn't, like, that film grain yeah, yeah, uh, more noise and stuff. Yeah. If it weren't for the Blu-ray format, I seriously doubt that these restoration projects would have ever come up. Well, when E.T. had its uh, 20th anniversary, and I know because I have that one on DVD. I do, too. And they have, didn't they, they restored it for They didn't the necessarily restore it. They digitally drew out the physical E.T. and they put in a CGI E.T. Uh, no, I remember movie. the added scenes and stuff, too. And, and the, yeah, they added deleted scenes as well. They also did things where the um, feds were holding walkie-talkies instead of guns. Yeah. Guns, yeah. And, and yeah, you know it what's pissed funny? off some of the fans, including our sound guy. Sound guy is so pissed off now he's making the gesture of a Tuscan Raider holding up his uh, gun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when Steven Spielberg uh, did a one-night-only showing of Raiders of the Lost Ark, this was the first showing after it had been restored. He actually had a Q&A afterwards, and um, he brought up the idea of E.T. Uh, oh, he brought it up saying, the movie was currently in the restoration process. It will be out on Blu-ray and DVD soon. And he asked the audience when it came to the 20th anniversary, when he did add in the deleted scenes and put a CGI ET, he asked the audience, do you want that included? Everyone in the audience was like, no. No! And then Spielberg was like, all right, case closed. And then he went on to, exactly. He went on to discuss um, how this is one of the ways that he and George Lucas is different. He does not like changing things because they don't look good. He says that it, it maintains the nostalgia and the, essence of the movie mm-hmm. uh, which is why he will never go back and like brush out the strings holding an airplane or something right yeah. um he said that this et was the only movie he went back on and did changes to and he regretted it every step of the way yeah because when i watch that i go back and i always re- watch the yeah. theatrical yeah i think it's almost his whole totally separate episode though to talk about I know. restoring a movie and dreaming we we, we made a nice yeah. little flow <laughs> but, that's of a little tangent, yeah. but i wanted to bring this up because again I don't think this whole process would have been done had it not been for Blu-ray. Okay. A lot of big studio directors are still behind Blu-ray because it is one of the best ultimate formats. Because even though iTunes and now because of the uh, CES Expo in Las Vegas, Netflix, um, even though they are able to stream 1080p level movies, they're technically not. The 1080p level of HD, so to speak, the highest end, when streaming... Can it's I stop still, you for a second? Yeah. Well, well, let me clarify here. They are 1080p they in pixel in, in pixel depth. There yes. are there are compression markers that take place where yes. the, the quality varies. But the most important part is the color depth is very different Absolutely. on Blu-ray than it is on the color depth is what basically makes you, they take a lot of that color data out so that you can stream it quickly mm-hmm. quickly over an internet connection and it also depends on how the video format is encoded as well um, yeah. iTunes obviously uses H.264 yeah. um, I believe Netflix does as well but I, I saw a side-by-side comparison uh, somebody did a screenshot of uh, yeah. It was an iTunes comparison of 1080p from uh, the Apple TV, which is the only 
10, or the only Apple service that streams 1080p is only through the Apple TV. And somebody did a Blu-ray copy of the exact same shot of the same movie. And the Blu-ray one, uh, for a huge tech no file like myself, was leaps and bounds of a difference. A lot of people wouldn't notice it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's actually part of the, re- that's most of the reason why I still prefer physical copies versus uh, streaming because the quality, both audio and video, sure. is still the purest form. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So I don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm entirely sold to, to be going out and buying Blu-rays left and right again, just because oh, not I'm, left and right. Um, cheap. <laughs> if, if you, if you or our dear listeners would like uh, personal recommendations, I would be happy to give them. Um, luckily, a lot of the movies that have been restored to perfection now are relatively cheap. Like you can actually find the close encounters of the third kind restoration for like $8. Oh, really? I'd be yeah. very I love curious. Close encounters. Yeah. I'd be very curious to see a movie like Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, that got the restoration because it's 60 years old. Right, right. Yeah. And that was shot in 70 millimeter yeah. film. Wow. So yeah. it would be there was rumors, totally awesome. There was rumors circulating that they were going to do a uh, re-release in theaters in, of Lawrence of Arabia in IMAX, which I am very, very hopeful that it does come through uh, because it's the largest screen that there is. Yeah. Obviously, it won't fill up the entire screen, but right. it's the largest one there is. And with 10,000 watts of surround sound... Yeah. I, I think that would be a great experience. Yeah, we can do a whole podcast on seventy millimeter movies because yes. there's only a handful of them that have been shot in seventy mil. Yeah, and it's like epic movies that have been. Yeah, yeah very. Um, ben Hur was another one. If I'm Ben Hur, Gone with the Wind. Yep. So that's why, in conclusion, okay. yeah. <laughs> I prefer physical media over streaming. Gotcha. Quality and quantity. Yeah, and the trend will change. Absolutely, the trend will certainly change. You know, in five ten years, we'll see what the preference is. It may still be seventy five percent now toward yeah. streaming. You know, Absolutely. we're in an age where we're moving closer and closer to digital. Yeah, media. well, I mean, I streaming's changed it for me. Like, I used to just watch, I used to watch a lot of movies on TV and have to put up with the editing and the commercials. And, yeah, and thank God I don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> I know, right? right. <laughs> well, just the economical value of it too, right? Because yeah. it, you, I remember. It would cost us three dollars twenty-five cents to rent from uh, Video Maniacs mm-hmm. when they were around, and it'd be like four dollars to rent from Hollywood Video. Yeah, it's a little more expensive to do from iTunes, but Netflix eight bucks a month. Well, it's you know, yeah, not too shabs. Yeah, exactly. Not too shabs. With iTunes, it's like what ninety-nine cents movie of the week or one or two ninety-nine. Yeah, it varies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very it varies depending on whether it's HD or whether it's a new title, right? Um, or if it's a movie of the week. Right. The one thing I'm looking forward to when it comes to streaming in the next five to ten years is the movie studios actually getting along with multiple companies that want to stream their stuff because it affects what service you sign up for depending on which movie studios are signed up with. Not only that, but it, it's already changing it. Um, one of my professors at, at school is a filmmaker, and her film got distribution on Netflix. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I mean, that's a, yeah. now you're empowering independent filmmakers yeah. to get their stuff seen. Yeah. And well, not hey, a, they're bringing back Arrested Development only through Netflix, which yeah. I'm super stoked about. And yeah. also, um, there's a new show series called uh, House of Cards, which is coming out on February 1st, uh, mm-hmm. Netflix only, that was produced uh, by David Fincher, and the first episode Kevin was directed Spacey, by Kevin Spacey, right? Yeah, with it? Kevin oh, wow. Spacey in it, yeah. Um, and Amazon just announced they're trying to do a Zombieland uh, adaptation into a TV series that is distributed only through Amazon video service. Wow. So, so now the the streaming game is changing. The streaming right. wars are about to begin. Absolutely. Yeah. And now you need to now someone, leave it to someone like Apple who will probably have to talk to all those services all over again. Yeah. Exactly. To yeah. Uh, intellectual property. Yes. Yeah. And all that licensing. Well, yeah. you know what, guys? I think we should take this to the nerds. Take this to our fan base and have them ask 
what do you guys think about Netflix? Do you prefer Netflix over seeing a Blu-ray or DVD? Or just streaming in general. Or streaming in general, exactly, whatever method you use. Do you, do you agree with Kevin's assessment of Ultraviolet? Um, <laughs> let us know, please. And um, We'd love to hear more of your feedback about whether we should do a live Oscar podcast. We've gotten quite a few votes. We'd like to hear, hear some more, and it's on our Facebook page. It's at the top of our page. You can also email us your response yes or no the question be being should we do a live oscar podcast yeah 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 we know a few people will listen but um we want to make it worth it absolutely yeah, yeah. well i think so too because we can also we're, we're considering also doing live call-ins through a google voice yeah. account so let's let's see if we can make it work it'd be it'd be kind of fun go to our new website our new version of deuteronomy.com yeah. to see all of our cool new content for our social media including our blog and of course follow us on twitter at nerdonomy and uh, if you want to reach me personally on Twitter, you can reach me at Brian Moriarty. And you can follow me um, at Sarah Ash 16 And you can now reach Kevin. Kevin now has an anonymous email. I do, and I'm, I'm very glad you brought this up. Now that I guess I am a family member, um, it is Kevin at Nerdonomy.com. Yes, indeed. I would love to hear some feedback. And I want to give you guys... Send all the hate mail to him. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm well, kidding. I was about to thank you. Well, I still am. Um, I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to share my uh, top 20 movies of 2012. Um, I would love to hear some fan responses as well, because this is the first time I've actually published it. Um, my thoughts. It's on the blog. Yes, it is on the wondering. blog as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sarah. Um, I've always kept my top movies personal like i would tell a couple friends and family members but um i've actually gotten a, a a noticeable amount of responses from my coworkers and also from my family members who were actually asking before i had posted it when's your next list coming out so i was i was very excited to post this and uh, i again i thank you guys very much and i hope to give you guys some more uh content as well yeah awesome. well kevin you have become a member of our family kind of, kind of like the fun uncle fun uncle who comes and visits every now and again well i appreciate the, the, the feedback and your mother never uncle. loves you <laughs> i'm totally kidding i never met your mom hey drunk uncle yeah <laughs> well yeah i'm also fun <laughs> you guys have a wonderful week out there bye and roll credits Thank you.